Welcome to ProctorCast, where we bring you plain English interviews all about the most relevant procurement topics of the day in short, coffee break-sized episodes. Because hey, time's precious and you have got value to deliver. So now let's get straight into this week's show. Yes, greetings and welcome to another episode of ProctorCast. We are your bi-weekly dose of an audio treasure trove of procurement goodness uh, to help you along and make your coffee break more productive. And on today's show, uh, this one is a bit of a random sort of coincidence that um, I connected with this person recently on LinkedIn. And when we were exchanging a couple of DMs about our background, we actually realized that apart from having a very similar hairstyle, which if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see on the podcast, unfortunately not, uh, but we actually share a similar background in terms of companies or uh, types of companies or organizations or and areas of spend that we've done a lot of work on in the past, and also in terms of our direction that we're going in uh, with our own businesses uh, in terms of the client base and types of companies and industries that we want to serve. So I thought it would be a really good discussion to talk about procurement challenges in two areas that uh, maybe have not been served particularly well in the past by procurement consultancies or external procurement support. Uh, and they are uh, rapidly growing startups and more traditional, old school, shall we say, uh, manufacturing businesses of a certain size that are not so a corporation. So to have that discussion, welcome to ProctorCast, Steve Adolt. Hi, James. Nice to be here. Glad we could uh, make this happen. Fantastic. So other than you being on the other side of the pond in Pennsylvania, um, we've actually done some similar stuff, but your background is very different in terms of where you started off from. So maybe just tell us a very quick story of uh, where you started and how you landed in procurement and supply chain, and then we can jump in from there. Sure. So I started out in, in the military after college, and I was a quartermaster officer, which is a logistic supply chain officer. And uh, turns out I, I enjoyed it and was very good at it. And when I left the military, I actually didn't expect to go into it. Um, I was an engineer by degree, so I was hoping to manage engineers. And it turns out that uh, well, I was much better at managing suppliers and managing spend. So when I went into my first, my first company out of the military, it turns out I had an opportunity to do that and I jumped on it. And I have made my career out of helping companies spend better, build supplier relationships, making it easier for the end user to spend and making it easier for them to spend with the suppliers that they should be spending. That's my background in a small nutshell. And I think both of those aspects are extremely relevant for, for the two different examples that we're going to look at in today's interview. So Let's start, first of all, with rapidly growing startups. Now, going into a startup company, they're going to have very different challenges in terms of procurement, i.e. they don't usually have a procurement function established until, you know, well into the later rounds of funding. So 
in in the absence of a procurement function already there and an in situ established supply base, could you walk us through some of the challenges or or, or some of the improvement opportunities that you see when you would typically walk into one of those organizations and and some of the watchouts that they need to be aware of as they as they grow and scale very uh, very rapidly absolutely so with a with a startup you you don't have any spend history so there's there's nothing to base any of your uh, any of your processes or procedures or, or relationship development on. You also don't have a history with your suppliers yet. So your your initial approach with them is you have to remember the fact that your suppliers initially, they don't need you. You need them. So approaching them as partners instead of people that you have to do business with is going to be very important to build those those relationships because as you rapidly grow you're going to need those suppliers even more to support you in in the speed of growth whether it's goods or services it, it doesn't matter the biggest call out for a startup is to make sure that you're you're establishing the relationships with the right suppliers the first time because once you start let's say a manufacturing operation and you've got support from a supplier that is not able to grow with you as rapidly as you grow, that's going to be a huge problem for your company. You need to make sure that you've got the quality goods, you've got the volume, you've got the growth opportunities that uh, with the supplier that you need. So understanding all of those, in addition to the, the traditional kind of stuff, where do you have the right terms and conditions? Are you, know, are you protecting yourself with your suppliers as you're getting the goods and services so you don't find yourself in a bad situation, especially early on? Do you have uh, the right processes in place? Uh, and in the beginning, it's you know, very simple. Who's going to cut the purchase order? Who's going to make sure the invoices are paid on time? Who's going to make sure that you know, the suppliers are being taken care of and who's going to make sure that the suppliers are doing what you need them to do. So you need to... Uh, and you, ra- you raise a good point, sorry, around cutting sure. purchase orders because you know, in, a, in a very rudimentary phase of a startup, they probably don't even have purchase orders or any sort of governance, and it, you know, especially if it's something that's gone from, say, 10 people to 100 people very, very rapidly. So maybe just take one step back and talk a little bit about governance as well, because that's a huge potential banana skin in startups, isn't it? It's, it's, a, huge, it's a huge opportunity for things to go very, very bad very, very quickly. Um, if you don't have uh, established a, a process and methodology to make sure that the people in your company aren't just spending money to be spending money or spending money because they think it's it's a good idea at the time you're you you can find yourself out of startup capital very very quickly and you've spent it on all of the wrong things so putting putting a process and putting a governance uh, process in place is incredibly important and here in the United States uh, one of the things that was put in place uh, a number of years ago was a governance uh, around what we call the Sarbanes-Oxley law, which is you have to have one over one accounting. So you always have to have 
somebody that's doing the, the purchasing and then somebody has to approve it. So you've always got at least two people in that loop uh, to make sure that you're spending against the right things. And that's important, whether you're a startup or whether you're an existing company, to make sure that you have those approval levels. Um, it, it keeps yeah. things in check and it keeps you in check as well. So that's, that's really important. And I come back to the terms and conditions because the last thing that you, you want to have is uh, finding yourself in a situation where you have an expectation of goods and services that are to be delivered and you're now at the mercy of the supplier's terms and conditions as opposed to yours, which might not be in your benefit. So having all of that governance yeah. internally as well as externally is going to be very important. And it's not something that, quite frankly, a lot of people think of in the beginning. And those not only in startups, and that's a great bridge actually to, to, to move on to more traditional manufacturing businesses, but the, the classic Sarbanes-Oxley example that you gave, what's in the finance world known as segregation of duties, uh, and also making sure that you know whose terms that you're working to, they are often big issues as well in, in more established businesses. But I think the angle that a more established traditional manufacturing business that say, I don't know, somewhere between 25 and $50 million or euro uh, in, in annual turnover, while they don't have the growing pains of a startup, they do have a huge amount of legacy spend and legacy terms and, and supplier relationships that uh, are often, you know, encrusted uh, onto the walls in some in some cases in terms of it's so difficult to extract yourself from those uh, supplier relationships so whereas a startup won't have any long supplier history for better for worse established businesses do but that can be just as much of a disadvantage uh, as an advantage in some cases and going back to the point that you made on data yes data is wonderful if you have it but if you have bad data, it's often not really that much better than the no data at all. So maybe just walk us through how that can be different from a challenge perspective and, and how you would typically you know, go about putting some of those historical wrongs right in, in a more well-established business that has just not had much TLC from a procurement perspective uh, over the years. So... Uh, uh Many, many well-established businesses look at procurement as purely an administrative function. So you know, just, play, just place the purchase order, just get us the stuff we need, just so forth and so on. And the, the opportunities there are, are immense, truly. The, the first thing is understanding that as, as the person in the procurement organization, understanding that it's not about you, it's about your internal customers and, and how they do things and why they do the things that they do. So it's about making it easier for them to do it and to spend the money with the right suppliers. So digging up who the right suppliers are now, now becomes a partnership with your end users. It becomes a partnership with your finance team. It becomes a partnership with uh, whoever is going to be spending the money in the company. And Understanding the relationships that, that are needed with the suppliers is, is a huge one. If you have bad relationships with good suppliers, 
then that becomes a challenge for you to re- basically reestablish those relationships so that the the organization as a whole gets better service, whether it's goods or services, but gets better service from the suppliers. Partnering with the the end users, the people that are spending, you you get to understand their pain points. You know what what things they don't like, what things they do like, wh- how to make it easier, how to make it better, how to make it less painful, and especially how to make it less time consuming. Because if you if you don't have a well established procurement organization who is going to go out and do the negotiating and do uh, do the qualification and so forth, then you've got other people in the business that are spending time in non-value-added activities where you can really, really add value to those activities. So once you show your end users that um, you're going to make it better for them to do business, you're going to make it easier for them to do business, and you're going to make it more cost-effective for them to do business, now you've got them on your side. And once you've done that, now you've got internal advocates for the process. So at the beginning, you've got a pretty steep hill to climb. Once you start establishing those internal relationships and those external relationships, it gets it gets a lot easier and a lot flatter. Now, you talked about data uh, because if you don't have the governance and you don't have the oversight that you need, your spend is can be all over the place, uh, not going into the right cost buckets for finance. So you, it's very important for you to, to partner with your finance team with how you can uh, make it easier and better for the spend to show up in, in the right buckets. And using uh, an ERP system or using any kind of a system to marry a supplier with a cost center and general ledger account or a finance accounting system makes it harder on the front end, but it makes it easier for the end users. And in this way, you're not, it doesn't appear that you're controlling them, uh, but what you are doing is you're making it easier for them to spend in the right places. And you're making it easier for the finance team to make sure that the budgets are correct. So when the, when the, when the end user goes to either create a purchase requisition or uses a purchasing card or, or whatever financial instrument you're going to use, if you limit their choices as to where to be able to charge those supplier costs, you've you've not only taken a lot of time out of the system, you've also made it easier for the end user because now they don't have a drop-down list of 150 different cost centers. They have a drop-down list of two or three that makes sense. Uh, so you've made it easier on them and you've made it better for for all the finance folks. And it makes for a, a better opportunity for the business without looking as though you're controlling the spend when in fact that's what you're doing so it's really about exerting that control but in a in a, in a not as sneaky way is probably the wrong word but in a very clever way so as the the internal stakeholders see it as something that's beneficial or making their life easier and the finance team are obviously on board because it's giving them better predictability of cash flow and the ability to reduce their budgets and also in terms of transactional efficiency as well if you're able to bundle spend through a supplier portal or a catalog that enables and facilitates 
ease of buying something, you know, going into if you want to increase compliance, then make it easy for them. Uh, you're kind of killing three birds with with one stone, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of the consequences, just very quickly before we sign off, in terms of the consequences of not doing any of this, what are they both for the startup and for the more traditional manufacturing SME? So the consequences of not doing any of this is you have spend dollars that are literally leaking out of a bucket. There's your lack of control means that you don't have um, the opportunity to spend efficiently or effectively. So you're losing out on cost savings opportunities because you've got basically a scatter shot of spend across a whole bunch of suppliers. Um, you, you don't have, if you don't have the governance in place, the legal issues that you could run into down the line are, are enormous and incredibly costly. The, the lack of relationships that you have between your procurement team and your finance, your procurement team and your end users, um, without those relationships, you're, you're going to be successful in spite of yourself is probably the best way to describe it because you've got, <laughs> you've got no control over the costs and you've got no control over budget. Um, and without those controls, you're going to find yourself in, in a hole very, very quickly, uh, especially with a rapid growth uh, startup company. And, and we talked about this earlier on, the fact that if you don't know where your money's going, um, you're going to run out of money very, very quickly. And I, I know I have had examples of that in, in very well-established global companies. So if that can happen in very well-established global companies, it can certainly happen in a rapid growth startup, unquestionably. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid, Steve. But just one last thing. If anyone would like to get hold of you, uh, where is the best place that they can connect and learn more about what you do? Uh, the best place to connect with me is is on LinkedIn. Uh, look for Steve Adalt. I'm the only one on there. And uh, drop me a DM. Drop, connect with me. I'd love to talk with you and uh, see how I can support you and your business. Steve, thank you very much for joining me today. And always great to talk Turkey about startups and SMEs. It's a sector that I play in as well. So always good to spar a little bit on this and learn more about how other people who are playing in a similar space approach this problem. And if you are a startup founder or a managing director of uh, an SME, I hope you found this insightful. And uh, thank you for listening to Proctorcast. We will catch you again with another interview in two weeks time. Take care wherever you are in the world. and. Bye for now.